Welcome to Disrupting Japan. Straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about agriculture startups in Japan. You know, it's interesting. With Japan's high food prices, the financial support for farmers, and the strong system of university agricultural research, I've always been a bit surprised that we don't see more ag tech startups in Japan. Well, today's conversation goes a long way to explaining exactly why that is. It's both fascinating and a little frustrating. Today we sit down with Shunsuke Saboy of Sagri, who is using satellite imaging and AI to help small scale farmers. Some in Japan, but mostly in the developing world. Shunsuke explains the challenges of launching a startup from universities without specific startup support, why going global often has nothing to do with the US or Europe, and why the world is a better place when there are tens of millions of small family farms in it, and why those are worth preserving. But you know, Shinsuke tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. I'm sitting here with Shun Saboy of Saguri, who is using satellites and artificial intelligence to solve agricultural problems. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for this time.、Oh, it's great to have you. And, and I mean, Agriculture tech, ag tech is something that's it's, it's interesting in Japan and people don't talk about it enough. So I'm really glad you're on the show. So, can you explain a little bit more about what Sagari does? What is the service you're offering? Sagari Company is based in Japan and India. So, we are using satellite data to check in the each of the farmland. And also, the, for the farmers, we can、uh, use satellite data for smart farming. Such as、uh, when is the best harvesting time, and also the, which,、uh, which is a good soil situation, we can check it. The soil analysis is that done by satellite, or do you have people yeah, on the using satellite?、Checking? Yes. Really? Yeah. Around、uh, 1,000 farmland, checking just the 10 farmland detail, we can spread in the satellite information. So, from satellite imaging, you can tell soil composition, you can tell farmers when the ideal time to apply pesticides, when to harvest. How do your customers interact with this? Is there a smartphone app? How, do, how does it work? So, using satellite data checking and through the application, they can connect it to the mechanical. So, this machine is automatically d o that. So the machines would automatically apply fertilizer? Fertilizer, yes. This is more needed.、So、all of the farmland can check through the satellite data. Tell me about your customers. Who's using this? Is this small family farms? Is this large industrial farms? Who are, who are your customers? So now it's mainly up to 10 hectares, is the target. Okay, so still very small. Oh, yeah. So in Japan, most of the farmers are very small. So, they, they can get easily through the satellite data. So, in the、uh, United States and the European, is a more big farmer. So, this is not our target. Interesting. I want to really dig into 
all of the different use cases and the things you're exploring in a minute. But before we get there, I want to back up a bit and talk a bit about you. So you're currently still a grad student at Yokohama National University, and you started Sagri a few years ago. So is this something you're doing with the university or something on the side? Startup is uh, three years ago we uh, started it. So I'm a uh, space technology I belong to in my laboratory. This one is uh, connected to our business. My laboratory doing the, the soil situation and mechanical situation using satellite data. So making the company, uh, some cases we are using this technology, but uh, otherwise we are running ourselves and mix it, do that. Our CTO is a uh, other university professor, so like a collaboration as a technology and combined making the business. It's funny, when we talk about university startups in Japan, Todai and Keio seem to get all the attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of support did you get from Yokohama National University? Two things. I am a mechanical engineering. Entering the university, I have to get a chance to join the laboratory more faster. And the second thing is business issue to go to the Silicon Valley and the Boston can get the chance to me. So these two things, Yokohama National University supported to me. But not much in terms of uh, fundraising support or... It is so weak compared to Tokyo University or SK University. Yeah, those two universities, they have their own venture funds, so it's it's hard to compare. Our, Our university don't have it. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's that's good for a, a founder. It forces you to be more resourceful. And um, but but I noticed as you've launched, you guys have done a lot of pitch contests. And has that been really useful for business development? Uh, so the first year, the second year, at, at first year, we don't have the chance. That's the reason we are pitching the many contests, so such as the Singularity University and the Sigma Five Hundred. Uh, acceleration program. Through this, we get a chance. So nowadays, governments and some big company understand our technology. So using pitch contests are really interesting. It, it is there. There's so many of them now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it, it's hard to know. Like sometimes they seem like really valuable. Sometimes they seem like a real waste of time. But but you guys have generated real business from these pitch contests. At firstly, like a VC and the company people can imagine the world like a few years later, but we can. So pitch contest's value is like pitching and win the contest so they can understand how this technology will happen to the future. So they think they want to hear from us. So like a so business chance is often happen. But a few times I win, now I can do that. Because the many, yes, business chances are coming. Okay, so well, that's good. You sort of graduated. Yeah, 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 yeah. So but the first year, second year is needed. But now it's the third year. So I'm choosing about the pitch contest. This one is needed to apply, but this one is okay. What's your advice for other founders in terms of pitch contests? Is it something you, you should do early on and then just 
graduate, go into a new phase? Now is a graduate phase. This year, we are already finishing the venture capital funding. So we want to spread the business more. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and actually, let's, let's talk about some of the different business models you're exploring and the different kind of customers you have. One of the things on your website that you're talking about is your work with Japanese governments to identify abandoned agricultural land. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why is that important? Why do, why do they want to do that? Yeah, because uh, most of the cities in Japan everywhere by manual checking all of the farmlands. Around 30 million farmlands existed. So we can use satellite data. So, so currently they have dedicated staff looking at satellite photos? Or they have dedicated staff driving around to different... Uh, they are dri- driving and checking by manual each of the farmlands. Oh, okay. Well... <laughs> but we can get in the uh, satellite data and the AI that's simulating. So this farmland is uh, abundant. This farmland is not abundant. And why is that important? Is it like taxed differently? Ah, uh, yes, it... about tax. Abundant farmland, not abundant. It's a different tax. And also, most of the farmlands is uh, abundant recently because most of the farmers is uh, getting older and older. That is the reason, yeah. Abundant farm percentage is uh, more higher. So every year, mass checking. That's one of those things. It seems like an interesting use of the technology, but it doesn't seem like a scalable business. I mean, how much demand is there for that kind of analysis? Yeah, so now this thing is uh, around uh, 1,700 cities uh, is doing every year. Around the maximum is uh, around uh, 1.5 billion yen. So it is a so small market, but the next uh, department checking what kind of the foods, like rice or wheat, they are checking by manual also. This situation also we can change. That makes sense. So it, it, there is some, some room to grow by expanding the functionality within the different cities and prefectures. This technology, not only Japan, can spread the global. So we are making this technology in Japan, but spread this technology to East Asia and India. Yes, actually, and what you're doing in India, I think, is particularly interesting. So two years ago, so we are making the company in India, Bengaluru. In the main business is microfinance. So most of the Indian farmer is uh, needed the lending money, but they don't have the chance because uh, uh, so, so many farmers existed, so bank uh, cannot uh, spread their business. So they want to show their trust information immediately but the bank cannot get now. So we can, using satellite data, are checking the, all of the farmers' farmland. Are, are you showing the banks that they really are farming it, or are you, are you using the analysis to say that, no, this is very high-quality farmland, and, and we're expecting this kind of a yield from it? What, what's the information you're, you're sharing with the banks? So at first, we are checking the farmland situation what kind of the foods is uh, planting, and uh, which area is they having. So we are calculated, this one is a trust information for banker. So banker using this information and lending them the money. And uh, they can get the money 
they can buy the fertilizer and the pesticide. So we are using the data from satellite. Are、uh, they getting the more yield? Now that's that's really interesting because I think like Indian farmers are as well. It's a lot like Japan. There's lots of small farmers, and you're you're providing this third party, trusted, scalable source of information, saying, yeah, we, you can reasonably expect this much wheat to be coming out of this field, and probably around this much rice to be coming out of this other one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. At first, in most of the Indian farmers. Not invest at factory. If they lending the money, they can do that. So, is it also used for like farmers who might want to change crops? Say, in, instead of growing rice, they're growing soy, or they're they're. Is it something you could say, hey, well, if you want to try this crop, this would be effective for you? Or, yeah, or... finally, yes, this one can do that. So, this situation, so we can suggest it. So, this is the final goal. Uh, like uh, export and import, so using this all of the information, rice is、uh, so so many farmers that do that, but the wheat is、uh, small. So this is maybe more high value next year. So we can suggest. You know, I, I I think it's really interesting that when we look at things like oh agritech or say fintech, if we look at what's happening in Japan or the U.S. or Europe. I mean, there are some innovative solutions, like what you're doing. Satellites is is definitely helpful and innovative, but but it's it's already pretty good here, right? It's in in developed markets. There's a chance to make like small incremental improvements. Things are a little better, but in in developing markets, like the Indian market, you're saying there are like these big big problems that you could provide huge opportunities, you know, huge advancements. And so, are you are you looking to expand into、um, more of the developing markets, into like Southeast Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa? Yeah, so、uh, Africa is the next、uh, market, I think. But the now is a、uh, so small market. So, like around Kenya, around the same about the Guma Prefecture, this is a scale. It is so small. But but it would seem that the technology itself would would scale incredibly well. It's satellite imaging and, and AI technology, so you might have Kenya itself might be a small market, but th- this is something all through yeah 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 sub-Saharan Africa you could deploy. This business is started in Rwanda, so we we can see the Rwanda farmers. So this is a starting point. In 2016, so at Rustry we want to expand to Africa area. So using now is a satellite data is a free satellite. This is a government issue. This is the resolution is a 10 meter. Can using the Africa farmland. It is some kind of a big chance. So yeah, I guess and and a lot of those farms. Just like the the Indian and the the Japanese farms, very small patches of land, but ten meter resolution, like commercially available satellites, we, we're getting much higher resolution than that yeah, now, yeah, and and much more frequent updates. So how does that change things?、Uh, so now most of the things、uh, we are using the Planet DAP. So this one is around the、uh, resolution is a three meter, cost is a low low, and expands all of the farmland. 
That is the reason we are using. But the uh, more high resolution is around the worldwide view, around 30 centimeters. But it is expensive. So each of the target we are uh, thinking about the, this target they are using about the, this resolution satellite. How often do these images need to be updated? If, if you're projecting yields, I'd imagine at least like once a week? Uh, Planet Dub is every day. Every day can pass Japan and East Asia, India. And, and does your analysis and predictions change daily? Yes, analysis is daily. So we can get this information and calculate it and connect it to the map, like a Google map. How, how much change is there in the predictions from day to day? Growing crops can change every day. But the, mostly the thing they need is the when is the best fertilization time. I also heard you're doing some work with um, palm oil plantation in Indonesia, right? Because that's obviously a very different type of business model when you're dealing with industrial production. Uh, are, you, are you planning on kind of pursuing both angles or are you more focused on the small microfinance business model? In the Indonesia, is uh, both of that in uh, microfinance also. So uh, one sector is a uh, soil situation and the second one is uh, about the disease. So if, if some tree is a uh, disease happen, other tree also spreading. So this palm oil tree needed cutting. Okay. One, one of the things that it, it's just, it's fascinating because the technology is really cool. It is this, this amazing tool that can be applied in a lot of different situations. But in terms of like the business model, are you deciding that we're going to focus this on developing a microfinance verification and risk management infrastructure, or we're going to focus on developing relationships into industrial scale agriculture? Have you decided like which direction you're going to go? Or are you going to go in one direction? In, in East Asia is uh, from the government, technology is spreading. In Japan also. But in India, is the government is the moving speed is uh, slowly. That is the reason we are connected to the company and the FPO. So through this uh, sector, we can spread the uh, technology for farmers. So if you look forward five years in the future, 10 years in the future, what line of business, what area do you think is going to be the, the biggest part of your business and also making like the biggest impact? Five years later, we are maybe already go to the African market already. So maybe East Asia in Japan, uh, through the government, so digital transformation is already a happen. So now in Japan is uh, changing in three years. This government platform we can connect it to our technology. Is your go-to-market mostly working with governments in different countries? Um, so, for example, in India, is it a project with the governments or more with uh, banking and lending institutions? Japan and East Asia now is a uh, contact with the government and doing the project. So this area can spread from the government's situation. But India cases differently. India is like a JA, so FPO. This sector is a 
farmers is、uh, connected, making the group. So through this group, spreading the technology. So this FPO is around、uh, 4,000 is existed in India. So getting back to the, the global expansion plan. So it seems like when we look at like all the potential in different countries, Africa, Southeast Asia, India, the, the needs of the farmers and the needs of the banking system seem quite similar. You're, you're addressing the same need, but your partnership strategy and your way into the market seems to be really different for each country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Does that make things difficult or is that just sort of the way it is and it's fine? Uh, so, yes, so difficult. So, like、uh, each country having the embassy of Japan, and、uh, like、uh, Metti people is、uh, staying in each、uh, country. So, we can get things about the situation, hearing from them. And also, local company, they can connect it to us. Like、uh, in, in Japan, no need for the microfinance because the JA is like a big bank. So, farmers can get easily. So, we must to make the business each country. But the same technology can spread. Though, I guess that does make sense because, I mean, agriculture is kind of a special market. It's not like normal goods. Every country it is heavily regulated, There, there's huge government involvement. So, yeah, I guess, I guess you sort of have to go in. With some kind of a government partnership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a bit about Japan. There's not a lot of agriculture tech startups in Japan. And it seems like there should be. There's lots of potential, there's money to invest, there's lots of small farmers, there's a lot of creative people at universities working on this. Why don't we see more, more ag tech startups? Because Japanese venture capital only sees Japan farmland. It is so minimal compared to the other countries. Now, now it's a, a scaling, like a smart farming, but its speed is low. Most of this industry, government pay for that. So farmers want to get like a drone and a smart farming machine, but the half of cost government pay for that. That makes sense. So the government or the, the VCs see this as low growth. Which cannot see the growing market, especially the East Asia and India. Some VCs like Beyond Next Venture go to the Indian market, but it's so small. Af- African market also the same thing. Most of the VCs can see the Silicon Valley and the European. So, but a lot of startup of agritech is existed. Yeah, and, and that's a, it gets back to what we were saying before. It's like there are real problems to solve in some of these other markets and the more developing markets. There, there are much bigger problems, which means much bigger opportunities. And so the VCs you've talked to, now that, that you can say, hey, no, no, this is not a Japan startup, we're solving global problems. Were they more interested after that, or are they still not so interested in agritech? So, this is a so different situation. Most of the VC cannot understand. So, United States and the European is a so big farmland. But in Japan, so it is so small farmland. East Asia and India also the same situation. 
Yeah, but this is, I mean, ah, that's just so frustrating because that is like, that is the exact reason why Japanese startups have a chance to lead in this area. Yes, yes, that's right. That's... All the Silicon Valley startups are focused on this industrial scale, automated, large scale farming, where most of the world doesn't work like that. So from the Japan technology spreading East Asia and India, this target for the small farmland, this is a big market, I think. I think so. And I think, you know, I think it'd be better for like everyone if there's a way for small farmers to compete and survive and, and, and still exist as small scale farmers. I, I, I don't think it'd be a good thing if the whole world turns into industrial farms. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, Shun, before we wrap up, I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. And that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I told you you could change one thing about Japan, anything at all, the education system, the way people think about risk, the way people think about domestic and export markets, anything at all to make things better for startups and innovation in Japan? Absolutely, education. So Would education, you? yeah, yes. Through the education, we are so weak, like me. So most of the people cannot speak English. And also, uh, most of the people have a negative mind. So, so shy. So, but the, compared to the United States, uh, everyone is raising hand, like uh, some question. What you just said covers like a lot of ground. So when you're talking about education, what, what, what should change? Is it just more English or more self-confidence? Uh, English also is a good way. And also the ICT and entrepreneurship mind is needed in Japan. Compared to the other countries, making the startup percentage is so few. But how do we how do, we do that? Um, teaching entrepreneurship, how do you teach that kind of startup mind this is a collaborating like entrepreneur inside the junior high and the elementary because the elementary and junior high the teacher is like a can can see the social situation inside the university some guys is doing the internship can see about the social social situation like that so so it's just the 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 high schools, the university, they're like their own little world. They don't look out into real society. Yes, right. That's so they cannot see the real situation in the social. So inside the school, they understand some kind of the... You know, that's, that's interesting, but that's hard to change because I've noticed even in universities, and actually though in universities, this has changed a lot in the last 10, 20 years like a lot of computer science professors have never written a program for a customer. There, there's a lot of professors who have never done the thing they're teaching. They're, they're experts in the, the history of the subject and, the, and the, the, the teaching of it, but not in the doing of it. Yeah, so this is a problem. In elementary school, if something is a trouble, they can solve it themselves. But adult is uh, like uh, this stage is the uh, maximum for the elementary school students. That's that's an interesting thing. Just just in like a general trend, like getting people to think more of like direct action instead of like kind of an abstract situation. 
um, more like hands-on. And that's something like elementary school kids understand. Actually, that's something elementary school kids are really good at. That's like the only thing they understand. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What about your experience in, in working with the agriculture sciences sections? Were, were your professors, did they have experience in actual agriculture or were they, was their background mostly the science and research end? Most of the professor is like writing uh, like a paper. That is, that is the uh, reason so they can get the more money from the government. <laughs> So, but the, using this technology on the field, they can't do that. That is the reason these technologies are after 20 years later, so appearing. So he thinks this one is not good. So that is the reason he's staying in university, also joining the startup. How to use this technology on the field? Like right? connect it our company so we can spread this technology. Well, and that's, yeah, it gets back to being like hands-on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Doing it himself. <laughs> yes. So I guess it is changing a little bit anyway. Yes, that's right. I think so. So, but uh, this uh, professor is so few. Most of the professor is focused on their research and uh, making the paper. But, you know, somebody's got to start, right? It's like the first penguin. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like a Tokyo University and uh, KO and uh, Waseda, it's like a, this situation changing. But our profession is a GIF university. This is a local university. It's the same as the Yokohama National University. So not moving. Most of the uh, professor. So we still have a little way to go before that change trickles out to the rest of Japan. Well, listen, Shun, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm so happy to talk with you. And we're back. Sagari is a great example of a Japanese startup that can make a much bigger impact and a much bigger profit outside of Japan. As Shinsuke discovered, there's certainly room for incremental innovation in Japan. Governments and farmers are both open to using new technology that lets them do the same job a little bit faster. But in India, Southeast Asia, and Sub-Saharan Africa, well, things are different. In those places, there are big problems to solve, and people who are willing to try radical new approaches to solving them. And Sagri's technology could easily scale to help tens of millions of family farmers around the world. But the reluctance of Japanese VCs to invest in companies like this is a little frustrating. Well, uh, okay, it's a little frustrating for me as an observer, but I'm sure it's very frustrating for Shinsuke as a founder. It's a little frustrating to watch Japanese VCs pass on an ag tech business model like Sagri's because it's so different from the successful ag tech models in the U.S., but it is precisely because Japan's farming industry is not large-scale industrial, but small-scale family-run, and thus, in some ways, similar to those in developing nations. This difference is the very reason there is an opportunity for massive global growth in the first place. 
This is a genuine structural advantage for Japanese startups. And those are, quite frankly, pretty rare. Of course, it's not a simple path. As Shinsuke explained, agriculture is highly regulated everywhere. Market entry requires cooperation of both Japanese and target governments. So, Sagri's growth curve is going to be a lot slower than what we would expect from a B2B SaaS or a gaming startup. But eventually, step by step, the value they're adding is going to be clear to everyone. Sagri can help millions of small family farms thrive as small family farms. And they can make a fortune for themselves and their investors in the process. If you want to talk more about ag tech or farming in Japan, Shunsuke and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 180 and let's talk about it. If you leave a comment, I guarantee Shunsuke or I, or maybe both, will respond. And hey, if you get the chance, please leave a review on iTunes or your podcast platform of choice. Or even better, you know, if you like the show, tell a few friends about it. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.